Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Blame It on the Aliens. I'm your host, and this week's episode is my all-time favorite, Glitch in the Matrix, with some very creepy and mind-blowing stories, so get ready. With that being said, and without further ado, let's get into it. This fiasco began on a Saturday night, the same night as Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor's third UFC matchup. My current roommate, we'll call him Rambo, and our old roommate, we'll call him Finkel, and I were enjoying the TV doctor show House while looking for a bar showing the prime ticket fight. At 7.45 p.m., I received a text from my friend Shaggy asking what I was up to. Shaggy recently moved into a new apartment and he wanted me to come over and hang for a bit, check out the new place. I honestly was too tired to go in public to watch the event, so this was a great excuse. I got the address and finished watching the episode of House before putting my shoes on and heading out the door. I left and headed for Shaggy's apartment at 9.02 p.m., Along the way, I stopped and picked up a five-pack of Backwoods Black Russian Cream at a familiar tobacco shop near Shaggy's. I called Shaggy at 9.39 p.m. as I was approaching his neighborhood and again at 9.45 p.m. to figure out where to park. Shaggy was already pretty drunk when I arrived. He had been throwing back beers all evening. He offered me a cold PBR when I walked through the door and I accepted. We chatted, took turns playing new songs we discovered while I rolled a spicy cigar to smoke. Finishing smoking at around 11.15 p.m., we went inside and freestyled over some looped instrumentals for about 10 minutes until all the beer caught up with Shaggy and he went to the bathroom to throw up. I continued to rap by myself for another 15 minutes, now 11.41 p.m. when I finished recording. Until my drunk friend finally comes out of the bathroom and tells me he's ready to go to bed. Understanding, I gather my belongings, finish the beer I received when I entered, Shaggy and I say our goodbyes, and I'm off. Out of the door and on the road no later than 11.55 p.m. I headed home. It's a 19-mile drive home, and I've had one beer over the course of two hours. I felt fine. That is, this version of me, the version that is writing this, felt fine. The other version of me was too drunk and needed help. At 12.01 a.m., this is approximately 12 approximate minutes after I left Shaggy's apartment, I receive a phone call from Finkel. I answer the phone. Finkel sounds groggy and irritated, and I thought he was drunk. And the phone call went something like this. Me reluctantly answers, I thought he was calling drunk looking for a ride. Finkel. What's up, bro? I'm here. Where are you? Me. Confused. I'm on my way back now. Where are you? Finkel. We're here to get you, bro. Just unlock the door and let us in. 
me. I'm not home yet. I'm still 20 minutes out. Finkel. Bro, just open the door. We're here to help you. Me. Help me? What are you talking about? Are you locked out? Where are Rambo's keys? Finkel. Must have left them at the bar. Whatever, bro. Just hurry up. Me. Okay, dude. Well, I mean, I'm still 20 to 25-ish minutes away. I'll be there soon. I hung up the phone, a little irritated and confused. My music resumes after the phone call, but I pause it because I needed to think. That was a bizarre phone call. It's not like Rambo to get drunk enough to lose his keys and drive home. But it's not entirely out of character for Finkel to get belligerent, so I let it go after a few minutes of pondering. Besides, at this point, I was about 15 minutes away from home. A few more turns and I'd be there to let the drunks inside and figure out what the situation was. 12.14 a.m. is when I get another phone call. This time it's from Rambo's cell phone. I answer, this time with complete irritation in my voice. What's up, bro? I'm gonna be there soon. What do y'all need? Rambo, also irritated. What do you mean? Where are you? We came here to get you. Me came where, bro? I'm on my way back to our apartment. Where are y'all? Rambo, why did you leave if you called us to come get you, and why the fuck are you driving if you're drunk? Me, I didn't call anybody. Finkel called me, asking where I was, and I told him I was on the way home. Also, I'm not drunk. I had one beer. What are you talking about? Rambo, bro, what are you talking about? You just fucking called us twice and said you were drunk and sick and needed us to come get you from Finkel's apartment. Me. No, I swear on everything. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm not drunk. I mean, I had a single beer, but I'm eight minutes from home if you want to meet me there. Rambo. What the fuck? Then who was that on the phone with us and told us to come get them? Because it sounded just like you, claimed to be you, and came from your number. Me. Bro, I don't know what the fuck or how the fuck, but that sounds like some glitch in the Matrix type shit or something. Rambo, so you're not drunk? You're fine to drive. Me, yeah, man, like I said, I had one fucking PBR. I feel pretty much sober. Finkel grabs the phone from Rambo. Finkel, what the hell, bro? If you're not drunk, come meet us at the bar. We just left. Me, all right, be there in six. The three of us pull up to the bar around the same time. We all grab seats around a table outside and the bar was pretty packed. Lots of people were out to watch the UFC fight. Despite the fight having a very unexpected and dramatic outcome, we immediately started to discuss and trying to dissect what the fuck just happened. Finkel and Rambo had been at the bar for a few hours already watching the UFC fight and chatting with the local drunks and college students. During their shenanigans, Finkel received a phone call from my cell phone number at 11.55 p.m. when I would have just been leaving Shaggy's apartment and getting on the road. According to Rambo, he saw my number pop up and watched Finkel's facial expression change from happy to concerned within a matter of seconds. Finkel steps outside to finish the phone call where allegedly, I was drunk as piss and curled up in front of Finkel's apartment and I was not okay. I was sick and needed help getting to the bathroom, proper hydration, and of course a floor or couch to crash on after. Finkel walked back into the bar and explained the situation to Rambo. Allegedly, I called back at 11.57 p.m. 
Rambo answers this time, and I give him the same drunken story to which he realizes I am not okay, and they needed to leave the bar to come get me. The bar is about five to six minutes away, maybe four if you're speeding and no traffic, which there wasn't because it was midnight. This brings us to our 12.01 a.m. phone call to sober me, where Finkel arrives at his apartment and is wondering where I went. After they wait on me for a few more minutes, we have our 12.14 a.m. phone call also to sober and current me, where we ultimately decide to meet at the bar to figure out what is going on. The strange thing to me is the phone logs. Finkel's phone call history clearly had two calls from my cell phone number. The first at 11.55 p.m. and the second at 11.57 p.m. Neither of those calls were placed from my cell phone, nor was I the one on the other end of the line saying I'm drunk and I needed help. I've lived with these two guys for the better part of the last 20 months. I know their voices well and just as well they should know mine. The fact that the phone logs exist and it shows my phone number and these two separate individuals are in full belief that they were speaking to the drunk me on the phone is downright terrifying. It was not me on the phone with my friends. I didn't sleep well last night just thinking about this. My best explanation would be maybe my timeline split and in this timeline, I went to Shaggy's apartment and only had one beer. But in another timeline, I went somewhere and got drunk and found my way back to Finkel's apartment, called him, and then Finkel and Rambo in this timeline somehow got those phone calls. I wonder what happened to drunk me that night, locked outside of Finkel's apartment. I wonder if I've ever talked to somebody else from a different timeline. I wonder if it's even a timeline splitter, maybe just some fucked up the spaghetti code for our universe. I listen to quite a bit of true crime podcasts such as Crime Junkie. From time to time during investigations, detectives will narrow down the location of a cell phone call based off a cell phone tower ping. I wonder if this technique could be applied here to figure out if the call came from this dimension or not. If drunk me calls from Finkel's apartment at 11.53 and 11.57 p.m., then there's no physical way I can also be 19 miles away at 12.01 a.m. when he calls me back looking for me. If anyone has had similar experiences of any people you know speaking to an alternate version of you, let me know. Or if you have any theories of your own, please share. I'm looking for anything to put my mind at ease. This situation is very unsettling for me and I'm scared I'm going to fade away and be forgotten. My friends got two phone calls from me claiming I was drunk and sick and needed help, but I was fine and I was not the one that called them. This happened about two years ago, but it's still on my mind a lot, so I decided to make a post about it. I understand if you don't believe me. I wouldn't believe this if it didn't happen to me either. I was spending the day with my friend in the city and I had to go to the toilet, but because of COVID, I couldn't go anywhere. Luckily, there was this ice cream store that said I could use theirs if I bought a cone. It was at the end of the store and I had to use the stairs, the girl behind the counter said. 
So I walked to the end of the store and there was part of the store that was sort of an indoor garden. I saw a spiral staircase that I thought went to the toilet. Instead of the toilet, I ended up being in a Chinese restaurant, which was pretty weird and unexpected. Still no toilet. I saw a door to my right and figured that's where the toilet had to be. And it ended up being a stairwell where the stairs that go to the back to the ground floor was closed off with traffic cones and tape. So the only way to go was up. Because my bladder was about bursting and I was kind of curious where I was going, I took a chance and walked up the stairs. When I opened the door, I ended up in the middle of a kitchen, which was weird. Who had a stairwell in the middle of a kitchen? Everyone was running around and no one really noticed me. So I went back to the stairwell and went up another floor. That's when I noticed how many floors there were. It felt really weird to me because the building was hella old and couldn't have had more than three floors. I was on the fourth floor and I kind of felt like something was off at that moment. I opened the door and this floor was really creepy. There was writing on the walls in a language I've never seen before. It kind of looked like hieroglyphics, but smoother. There were two doors with symbols on them, one male and one female, I presumed, but I couldn't find out which was which since I didn't understand these symbols. I needed to pee really bad, so I just took a chance and picked the door. When I opened it, I felt really weird because it was just an empty room. No sink, no mirror, just a room leading to another door. I remember thinking what a waste of space it was and why the hell someone had designed it like that. The next door led me to a room with a sink and a mirror and another door which finally led to a toilet. As I sat down and reviewed my entire journey to the toilet, it didn't make sense to me at all. I had been walking around in an old medium-sized ice cream shop for about 10 minutes looking for their toilet. I mean, how is that even possible? A possibility is that I ended up in an entirely different building, but how did I switch buildings so easily? I never tried to open a locked door or anything, and buildings definitely weren't this high when I saw them from the outside. I kind of started to freak out, so I texted my friend that was waiting for me at the entrance of the store. When I was done peeing, I opened the door and ended up in the sink room again. When I opened the door of that room, my heart dropped. I ended up in the hallway again. The empty room I walked in through was gone. I really started to hurry back because it felt like I was going insane. One floor down, back through the kitchen, another floor down through the Chinese restaurant, which was really busy. I looked around for a while and was getting even more confused. There was a balcony with people having dinner on the side where the street was supposed to be. I never saw a balcony there before and I've been to this city many times, so I was really stunned. I walked towards the balcony to check it out and it got worse. Instead of the street, I saw a fucking lake with grass and trees and such and people walking around. In this particular city, there's nothing like that anywhere near this building. I was really stressed out at this point, so I just wanted to get back to the ice cream store. I went down the spiral staircase, which led me back to where my journey first began. 
I told my friend about this experience immediately and he believed me because I was so distressed. The weirdest thing is though, I had texted him two minutes before I got back from the toilet and it had taken me much longer to walk all the way back. I mean, I had been gone about six minutes in total. The timing was way off compared to what I actually experienced. After this, I told more people about my experience in this particular store and I talked to one guy that actually works in the store. He said the toilet was actually in the basement and not up and that there's no way there, there's more than three floors. There was only one floor up as a venue you can hire connected to the ice cream store and one attic, which was used as a storage room. So I don't know what the hell happened and it still haunts me to this day. This is a topic that has made me question my sanity and haunted me for years and years. I've been seeing the same man since I was in my late teens, and I'm 38 years old now. I started seeing him in random places around the age of 17. I live in a heavily populated area, and I've lived all over the tri-state area. I've seen him in parking lots, I've seen him in stores, I've seen him at events, but The craziest one was I saw him at a destination wedding in St. Martin about 10 years ago. I approached him at the wedding and asked him if he was following me for years because I had seen him all over the place. As you can imagine, the conversation immediately became one of the most awkward ones I've ever been a part of. He kind of laughed and shrugged it off, but I could tell he knew he was seeing me all over the place also. There's been spans of over a year to two years where I don't see him whatsoever, and it seems like it comes in waves. My life has changed considerably, as you can imagine, since the age of 17. I now have a wife and a child. My most recent sightings of the guy was in a store called Bye Bye Baby. I was buying things for my newborn. Within the same month, I saw him in a Home Depot about 30 miles away. Every time this happens, he pretends like he doesn't see me, but I can tell he's as sketched out as I am. The last sighting of this guy was a couple of months ago in a store for baby stuff, and that was the final straw. I'm telling you, if I see this guy again, I'm gonna get to the bottom of it. I don't care what it takes. It's something I've pondered over for so long, and like I said... I question my own sanity. I'm also a male, for a frame of reference, and the guy that I've been seeing is a lot older than me, but it seems like he hasn't aged a bit, as crazy as that sounds. Like I said, I know the man is real. I've talked to him face to face. But that still doesn't stop me from questioning my own sanity. So before we start, some background. I have a group of friends who have been friends pretty much since kindergarten. There's four of us, which means me and three more guys. We're all 29 to 30 at the time of writing, and 
We're 28 to 29 at the time of the event. We're all really close, even though ever since college, we meet up very rarely. All of us were on a long-lasting and steady relationship, either married or the modern equivalent, except for the main subject in the story, who had just come out of a pretty messy divorce. This friend is named Andy, had been having a really rough time of life as his ex-wife decided to leave him right as his mother was dying of cancer. So it was understandable that we were all a bit worried about him. So one of my friends has a pretty nice country house that's away from civilization enough to allow for a nice weekend retreat every once in a while. And at the start of the story, we had one of those scheduled. The week before, as we were all planning a retreat, Andy decided that he wasn't going because he didn't want to be the only one without a significant other for the entire weekend. We all insisted a bit, but we kind of understood the feeling. And since he had another event to go to during the weekend, we left it alone. Still, I wasn't really satisfied with that as I felt he could really use the change of scenery. So I decided that I'd give him a call Saturday morning right before I left at the country house offer him a ride and give him one last chance to show up. I called him from the door of my house and he sounded kind of weird on the phone, like he was sluggish or something. I even joked with him about it since it was kind of early Saturday and so I assumed I had woken him up. He didn't laugh or anything, so I thought he was pissed. When I offered to pick him up and give him a ride, he simply replied, okay. I told him to pack up a change of clothes and meet me in the front of his house, and so we were gone. It was me, the wife, and him in the car for a nice 45-minute drive. I started noticing things were off just as he got in the car. He was acting really stupid, and I have no other way to put this. He didn't get any jokes. He had trouble understanding simple questions and kept replying either with a simple yes or no or with a really slurred, short phrase at the most. At this point, me and the wife had all the reason to be worried about him, and we started thinking maybe he'd evolved into some weird form of depression or started doing drugs. He refused to acknowledge anything was wrong with him, and so we simply drove home, hoping maybe he'd open up later on. So we all arrived. There was food and drinks and video games. Yes, we get away from civilization to play video games, and and we were all friends for over 20 years, so lots of fun was to be had. It quickly became obvious to all of us that Andy wasn't acting all right. He wasn't playing any games, wasn't talking at all, spending most of the time just looking at us or at the outside. He'd have a look of marvel on his face as if he was watching something really impressive unfolding. As time went on, I noticed he wasn't eating or drinking anything at all. And one of the guys swears that he kept tabs and Andy never went to the bathroom at all for the entire stay. We tried to get him to talk and he'd just give us the exact same response every time. I'm okay. He ended up winning the patient's game and so we just left him to his own devices. The night went on He sat on a bench outside looking out at the stretch of woods near the house and we stayed indoors talking and stuff and then we decided to sleep. Andy said he'd go soon. 
He just wanted to chill for a bit outside and we all let him be. The next morning, late Sunday morning, his bed wasn't made. The sheets were intact on top of it. He was sitting outside in the exact same place we left him, in the exact same position. That was it. I was completely freaked out and decided it was time to go back home. We packed our stuff and said our goodbyes and everyone was really worried about him, but we all felt creeped out. So we just called it a weekend and left. I drove him home, dropped him off and went home myself. Later that night, we ended up all meeting up again in a restaurant for a birthday get together of a common friend. And I noticed Andy was himself again. And my other two friends looked really puzzled. So I sat down and asked him, what the fuck happened yesterday, man? He replied something like, yeah, my car broke down and Peter here had to pick me up in the middle of the night after the bar. Well, that made no sense. And so we all started asking questions and trying to puzzle it all back. Turns out... He was at the bar with a couple of the other guys the same time he was with us at the country house. When we kept insisting in a panic that that was impossible, multiple people showed us pictures of him at said event. There were fucking pictures. So we all freaked out and he noticed that we weren't joking and he freaked out as well. We confirmed via phone history that his phone in fact got my call Saturday morning, but he doesn't remember answering it. After this, the talk did continue, but we really couldn't get anywhere and that was it. As the months passed by, the three of us all got really afraid of Andy and who he could be. We still have no idea who was with us at that house and Andy has gotten really sick of hearing about this to the point of getting really mad when the subject comes up. He says the most rational explanation is that we all got confused and thought this up. I'm still nervous about that to this day, especially because I dropped him off at his house and saw him enter. Where the fuck did fake Andy go? Did he do anything while we were all asleep? Do any of you guys know anything like this? I mean, I asked around and nothing really fits. I'm not really a believer in paranormal things, but I have no other explanations. I felt like writing this to maybe get it out as the other guys and my wife don't like talking about it, as it gets everyone really nervous. This just happened the other day. I was feeling sick, so I grabbed a book from the shelf and took a hot bath. This book is part of a series of essays on music theory and practice. About 10 years ago, I had a different copy of the same book. I traveled with it and read it cover to cover, completely destroying it to the point that it eventually had to be discarded. It had been soaked and dried several times, pages falling out. I even scribbled notes in the margins. This book changed my life and I remember wishing I had taken better care of that particular copy. I had sort of forgotten all of this when I grabbed the copy off the shelf to head to the bath. I had picked up the copy that I currently have, the one I was reading in the bath, at a bookstore about two years ago. I remember finding it on a shelf way in the back and feeling excited. I mean, it was practically brand new. 
I flipped through it, but couldn't remember if it was the same volume I had before. Bought it anyways, because it was a great series. Jump back to me in the bath. I'm flipping through the essays. Things are seeming more and more familiar, really grabbing me and stirring my memory. I realize, hey, this is that volume. Hell yes. So glad I have this material again. And I remember the tattered old copy that I used to have. As I'm having this memory, I turn a page and out of the book falls a train ticket from six years ago. The ticket is from my hometown to a large city in my area. I got chills because I only had this particular copy of this book for about two years. The ticket is weathered, apparently older than the book it was in. It must just be from someone else who made the same trip, I thought. But I turned over the ticket and my name was on it. I don't know how this is possible, but that pristine copy from the bookstore had a train ticket with my name on it from six years ago, when I had the original copy that was destroyed. I remember that train trip, going to see the Dalai Lama. I definitely had that book with me on the trip. Several other minor things that happened around that same time have me wondering if I didn't just step over to the reality next door while I had a fever. This happened at the Woodland Hills Mall in Tulsa on November 23rd, 2020, around 6 p.m. or so. My husband and I, completely sober, per usual, took our two kids, baby, and school-aged child to JCPenney's in the mall. Due to COVID, if there are two or more entrances to a store, they block off all but one. This Penny's had a top-level and a bottom-level entrance from the mall, floor one and floor two. And we have been going here since we were kids and none of the areas have changed. We were on the top floor, too, when we went in. Paxson was on the outside of the store as usual. The display was white soft sweaters and on the left were softer tones and I touched one and commented on it. We walked around the left side of the store to the back to find the single tiny elevator that can only fit one family. We got in and hit the button for floor one. There were only two buttons for floor one and floor two. There were no buttons to other numbers or floors. We got out on floor one, where the shoes are to the left, and decided to find another store as none of the snow boots fit our oldest. We walked a few feet back to the elevator that was literally only a few feet from the shoe area so we could see it the entire time and got in to hit the button two to head back up so we could exit as floor one had its entrance to close with the gate wall thing. The elevator moved and it opened to a totally different part of the store from where we entered originally. It was home decor and none of the clothes racks that had been there upon first entrance on floor two were there. We felt uneasy as everyone in the store was silent and still just staring at us the entire time. Then we were even more freaked out to find that where our exit should have been, there was a gated wall closed off. We walked back to the same little elevator. We got on and hit floor one again, and it opened to where we had been with the shoes on the left. But this time it was like 
a weird combination of the original floor two and floor one. As halfway through, we saw the displays and layout we had seen upon entrance on floor two that was always there. But the same sweaters on the left were green and red and the sign was on different colors and design. The entrance was completely open as if it had switched and we felt complete dread and the utter silence and stares were terrifying. We exited past Starbucks on the left, totally confused. My husband said he felt like something shifted as we walked away from the store. People stopped staring. The mall was loud again. And when we took the mall's middle elevator outside of Penny's to get back to level two of the mall to head to the stores on that floor, I felt completely terrified to see that the gate to Penny's was open on level two. The display was the original white sweaters and looking downstairs, the gate was closed that we had just exited out of. We got our kids snow boots from the children's place and left while looking off at Penny's in shock. The second our kids fell asleep in the car, we spoke about it. I told him, you saw that too, right? And he explained to me exactly the same as I saw it. We both experienced it and felt complete dread the entire time. Since then, we've noticed so many odd glitches or entering these voids where people stop and stare in silence. Little things have changed, like the names in the stores around town. Penny's is not a good example, as this might just be my husband and I remembering it this way as kids. Relatives just seem off or different. People have been strangely aggressive to us anytime we go out and we're a small, quiet family who bothers no one. Birds and little things keep glitching and we notice it more and more. My husband has jokingly stated that we're in the wrong world, but I really don't want to think about that. I'm tempted to take them back to the elevator and try again and maybe fix it. I've been questioning if there's a floor in the store itself that we just never go to and somehow the old elevator took us there. The elevator does get stuck a lot and it's so old. It has buttons one and two though. I'm not sure they can even do that. The mall only has two levels you can enter into stores through. I've also questioned whether a worker opened and closed the wrong entrance as it was nearing closing time, but it happened so quickly. I'm unsure how unless they sprinted between floors. I was probably around 10 years old when this happened. My dad and I were driving down the road one afternoon in Columbus, Ohio. I remember looking out my window and seeing a large plane flying really low. If memory serves me right, it appeared really old and was maybe a military plane. We do have an Air Force base that's not far, so that would make sense. I remember being fascinated by the plane and excitedly pointing it out to my dad. He continued to drive while occasionally peeking over to look at it. After a few moments, the plane started to aggressively swerve, like the pilot was losing control. Not long after, it nosedived and flew into a patch of nearby trees. I remember my dad panicking and pulling his truck over to the side of the road. We just sat there and looked out the window, but there was nothing. There was no sound of any kind, no smoke or fire. 
nothing. The trees didn't rustle and everything was calm. Lee waited, thinking the plane was going to swerve back up and fly away, but it never emerged. I remember asking him what happened and he was just silent. After a bit, he started driving again and we drove over to the area. We drove around for probably an hour trying to find some explanation, but there was nothing. Eventually, we headed back to my grandmother's place. We had dinner and explained to her what had happened, but she probably just thought we were crazy. I remember us eager to turn on the evening news to see if there was any mention, but again, nothing. Also, nothing in the paper the next day. There was no real internet yet, so this was all we had. To this day, my dad and I still discuss this. The one thing we can't remember is if the plane was making any sound at all while it was flying in the air. The radio might have been on or the windows up. We can't remember. We know for certain that there was no sound from the crash. It was only about a half a mile away from us, so we would have heard something. It's like this plane literally vanished. This is the only experience I've ever had like this, and I know it's a long shot, but has anyone here ever experienced something like this? I've shared this in a public forum, so hopefully I don't appear completely crazy. There's great comfort in knowing my dad saw the same thing. Otherwise, I would think I imagined it saw a green plane lose control and crash into trees when I was younger. There was no sound, no smoke, and no explosion. Checked out the crash spot right after it happened and there was nothing. Plane just vanished. I was with my dad and he saw the same thing. When I was 17 years old, my friend and I had a really fun Saturday. She had a convertible Volkswagen and we would drive around playing music and talking. We're really good friends and have always had really good talks about paranormal things in the universe, etc. Even as teens. I have always actually been intuitive and had paranormal interactions as has she. Anyway... She ended up coming to my house, and I'm the oldest of five kids. My bedroom was actually a breezeway that people would walk through to get to the garage, basement, and laundry room, so usually if a friend slept over, we slept in the TV room, which had two sliding glass doors into the dining room. If you walked through the dining room, you would get to the kitchen, and there was a wall you couldn't see if anyone was sitting at the kitchen table until you actually walked in. It was the 90s, so we didn't have cell phones, so no alarm. And there was a clock that chimed on the hour in that TV room. The clock chimed, and we both woke up on two couches and talked for a few minutes about our Saturday plan. Some of our friends had mentioned wanting to go down to the beach, so we figured we would call them. The clock said 8 a.m. when it chimed, but we got up and walked into the kitchen, and no one was awake. Four small kids and two parents still asleep at 8 a.m. wouldn't have made sense. So we look at the clock in there and it says 6.30 a.m. Okay, maybe the clock in the TV room was wrong. 
We both go and lie back down talking for a few, and then we decide to go back to sleep and wake up and call our friends about the beach later. We wake up this time because my sister comes in the room excited to see my friend. We hear the two sliding glass doors open, and she comes in waking us up loudly. So we trudge into the kitchen, and my mother and father are sitting looking tired, and they say, Sorry, they woke up so early today, and we kept her out as long as we could. She's been up since 5 a.m. I look quickly to the clock, and it's 6.15 a.m. I'm so confused, but then sometimes I have lucid dreams and very vivid dreams, so I assume I dreamt the thing before. We chat for a minute, and I ask my friend if she's ready to call our friends, and she just says, "Uh, no, I have to go, and she leaves in a hurry. When I called her later to check in because I thought maybe something had happened, she said, you're going to think I'm crazy, but... And she proceeded to tell me exactly what I experienced. She had experienced, and I laughed and explained I had the same thing happen and thought I had just been lucid dreaming. We're now almost 40, and we still talk about that day and theorize on why and how it happened to both of us. We haven't told many people because when we did, our friends thought we made it up and our families just said we probably smoked too much pot. But we know that some sort of glitch happened and it's led me to where I am today. When I was nine or 10, my parents and I were on a very long road trip. I was a sickly child, so we traveled a lot to see specialists around the country. I believe it was in Michigan, where we were driving through a very rural area. Lots of forest, not many people. It didn't seem strange to me at the time, but looking back now, I realize how strange of a place it was for such a large store. It was a long way from a town in either direction, in a cramped clearing barely big enough to fit the store and parking lot. There was what looked something like an Amish store on the side of the road. But it wasn't exactly that. It looked almost industrialized, like how a smaller Target or Walmart store would look if it were trying to be country. I don't remember exactly why we stopped there, but I know we didn't plan to beforehand. We walked inside and immediately my alarm bell started going off. I was young enough that I didn't really understand, but I remember telling my mom that I didn't like it there. We walked around a bit, and I stopped my mom and I at an aisle full of country-style candy. That's when I noticed something specific that was wrong. Everyone else in the store looked incredibly vacant. They would stop to look at something on the wooden shelves for a few seconds and move on one item at a time almost robotic-like, and everyone was alone. No one interacted with anyone else, and it was very quiet. And that's when I told my mom I wanted to leave, and I was very adamant about it. She was reluctant, but we met up with my dad, paid for our things, and left. My memory of this place is pretty vivid, but I remember absolutely nothing about the cashier or anyone else who worked there. I remember trying to explain why I felt so strongly once we were on the road again, but my parents were a little frustrated and I was bad at explaining myself. A few months ago, I had a dream of a place like that and the place was fresh on my mind again. 
When I saw my mom next, I brought it up to ask where it was, but she had no memory of the place. Even after I told her the whole story, she had no recollection. I asked my dad not too long after, and his reaction was the same. Even though we traveled a lot, we tend to remember the trips pretty well, so this was unusual. Has anyone else been somewhere like this? Any ideas why it was so eerie? I went to Alton Towers, a popular theme park in England, with some friends one summer, and we decided to all ride Oblivion, a big ride attraction. Google it if you don't know what it's like. It's awesome, for the first time. We were prepared to wait because there's always a huge wait for it, and I was thankful because I wasn't entirely sure I wanted to ride it due to being a bit less of an adrenaline junkie than the rest of the group. So I was going to use the wait time to talk myself into it and psych myself up for it. However, when we got through the wait area, there were only around six people in front of us, and the person working on the ride told us to get ready as we'd be riding next. Of course, I tried to act cool around my friends, but I was shitting it and almost walked right the way back through the queue area and left. But I didn't. I sort of sat down on the ride between two of my friends on autopilot, trying not to think about what I was actually doing. On the climb up to the drop, I felt like I was miles away. I could hear my friends talking excitedly and... I could feel the cool air on my face and the music blaring from the speakers inside the ride carriage, but it was like I wasn't actually there and was simply just watching it happen to someone else. Anyway, we reach the top. The ride pauses with you hanging over the edge, staring down a vertical drop before it releases and the carriage falls straight down through a dark tunnel and then out the other side. It's over in seconds. The ride captures a picture of each carriage just before it enters the tunnel. I still felt in a blur after the ride, but joined in with laughing and talking with my friends about the experience we just had. On our way to the exit, you pass a counter where you can buy the pictures from the ride. My friends wanted to buy a copy of the picture, so we all pitched in two euros each or something and went to purchase it. They show you a digital version on the screen of the picture you're about to buy before you actually pay for it, and... This is where the whole thing just fucking freaked me out. We looked at the picture from our carriage. My friends are all there screaming from the thrill of the drop. It looked hilarious. And then I noticed the seat where I had been sitting between two of them. It was empty. I was literally not in the seat or in the picture, yet all of my friends were. I remembered riding the ride. My friends remembered me riding the ride. But for some reason, I just didn't appear in the picture that was taken of us on the way down. As though I was never actually there. My friends were equally weirded out and decided not to buy the picture in the end. We all put it down to some sort of technical glitch, laughed it off and forgot about it so we could enjoy the rest of our time at the park. I have no idea what happened to this day.
my mom, brother, and I were driving home from Wildwood, New Jersey, which we do every year with local friends in the next town over. This was the era before GPS, so we had MapQuest instructions to get around. We left Wildwood and headed home at 8 a.m. and should have been home by 1 p.m. Somewhere in New Jersey or New York, we started to get hungry because it's a long trip and we didn't have any food packed. I was listening to my Sony CD player at the time and asked my mom to find a place to exit to eat, please. We skipped breakfast that day to make good time on the road. We got off the highway to find some food, but we soon got lost at around 10.30 a.m. Didn't see a car for miles. The roads looked weird, and we started seeing roadways closed for construction, but there was no construction actively being worked on. We saw more than one highway entrance that was just blocked with construction cones. We didn't see the highway either, so we couldn't get back on the Garden State Parkway. We couldn't find any way out of the place we got lost, which was near a body of water. That's when we all collectively lost track of time. It's normally a five-hour drive home. When we all came to, it was 3 p.m. We looked at each other and all said the same thing. Where did the time go? What time is it? How long have we been driving? Where are we? We finally found a weird old-timey diner and got food. The waiter gave us good directions home, and we finally got home around 6 p.m. A four-hour car ride turned into a 10-hour car ride. When we got home, we called our local friends who went on vacation with us, and they had arrived home hours ahead of us. I recently asked my mom what she remembers about this story, and she remembers it exactly the way I posted above. She always refers to it as, we must have been abducted by aliens, but she's not serious. She genuinely doesn't know what happened that day. Strangely, my brother doesn't recall the event as detailed as my mom and I. Back in 2013, I was referred to a therapist by my doctor. Her name was Cheryl, and her office was on the third floor of a building downtown. It was a pain to see her and pay for parking, but I was desperate to talk to someone. We meet, and I tell her the detailed story of what has been happening to me the past year. She appeared to be listening and sympathetic. She gives some really basic advice. Read a book, any book, go for a walk, and books our next appointment for the next week. Next week comes, I get to her door on the third floor. Cheryl greets me and asks me what she can do to help. I try to pick up where we left off, Cheryl says, excuse me, I I don't remember you at all. Can you go back to the beginning? So I explain in detail what happened again. And I'd like to think my experience to share was pretty crazy at the time. Surely she would remember? Without sounding like I'm a narcissist. Anyway, we have another meeting and she gives advice anyone could say off the top of their head. And we book a third appointment for the next week. I show up for my third appointment and Cheryl's office isn't there. Door locked, lights out. Her name's not on the door anymore. 
I take a spooky elevator down to the first floor as it's an old building and find a receptionist. The receptionist tells me that she can't help me contact Cheryl, but says that her office is in the basement and gives me Cheryl's business card. I go down to the basement, which has zero other people around. Her door is there, but it's locked and dark, and she's not there. I get upset and leave. Clearly, Cheryl is incompetent anyway. Like, she must be the worst therapist. I decide to give her a call and leave a message asking why she wasn't at our appointment. Cheryl calls me back and leaves me a voicemail. She tells me that she has no appointments booked for today. She also tells me she's sorry, but she has no idea who I am and has no record of me even talking to her. And if I'd like to book a meeting to meet her to call back, I never called back. I was upset for a long time. I thought maybe perhaps she was just a non-playable character or maybe just a bad therapist. The voicemail freaked me out pretty bad. This past spring, I asked to be referred to a therapist again. And guess who called and kept a voicemail? Someone named Cheryl. So I didn't call back. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Lemon on the Aliens. If you have your own creepy story to share, whether it's glitchy, creepy, let's not meet. You don't even have to know what Reddit is to send me your story. If you want to share, you can send it to the email, blameitonthealiens1 at gmail.com, or you can click the link in the description to send them a voice memo or just use the voice memo app on your phone and email that. Also, for those of you who haven't followed me on Instagram, I am now on Instagram at blameitonthealiens_podcast, my username. And DM me. I want to hear what your thoughts are on the show. I want to hear your stories and all of that. I promise I'm very active on Instagram and plan to respond to anybody who messages me. So definitely follow me there. And if you have not already followed and subscribed or hit the notification bell on wherever you're listening, do that so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And Definitely rate me five stars if you're enjoying the show. It means a lot and does make a difference. Thanks again to everybody who gave me permission to read their stories. They were incredible. And I will be back next week with more creepy content.